Drums, please. Welcome back to The White Bikini. Joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? Good morning, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. That was very not in the mood I'm in, hip-hop. Turns 50, Philadelphia music. Woohoo! I guess I'm just not cool like that. In our continuous series on the history of music in the city of brotherly love, we are focusing on hip-hop's anniversary, which was technically... 50 years on August 11th. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's been quite a quite a meteoric climb for this art form. It took a long time, but I did want to focus on hip hop in Philly. And when hip hop started, full disclosure, as you know, I've really, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy hip hop, but now I embrace it a lot more. I'm going to say in the last five years, um, like I think I'm cool now because I like Biggie Smalls. Right. Well, I, I think there's a bunch of factors to consider why attitudes towards hip hop has changed. I mean, for most of its history, hip hop has been regarded by mainstream audience as um, unimportant. And I mean, I still remember even as late as the 1990s, um, people discussing that hip hop was some sort of fad that was going to disappear. So I think mainstream audiences i.e white audiences have resisted adopting hip-hop a uh, part of it is just this cultural idea that it is just this impermanent thing that'll go away without any cultural relevance and it has nothing to say to white people in particular so i can understand why those attitudes would be in place and it's not it's not i don't mean this pejoratively it's more descriptively and also i think it's a generational thing yeah i think there's definitely a factor i mean we've had 50 years for uh, people's attitudes to change and you know for me coming up it was you know we've talked about this bruce springsteen billy joel fleetwood mac and hip-hop just went to a place that i couldn't relate to and not that i can relate to it in my personal life but the struggle i can understand much better right 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 i mean they're, they're essentially in my mind and I don't mean this from an academic framework, they're essentially the, the two sort of tracks of hip hop. There was this sort of the party hip hop, you know, like the Beastie Boys, Run DMC. And then there was the more rooted hip hop, the ones that were uh, Grandmaster Flash, you know, and the message talking about the struggles in inner city America. And to be fair, whether you're white or black for that matter, if you're not from that experience, uh, especially when it comes to talking about the darker sides of uh, urban America, I can understand why it wouldn't appeal to you because you're not connected to that experience. And I think for me, the first hip hop song that I absolutely loved and I still do is Fight the Power. Exactly. And if you are living sort of this middle class, upper middle class, uh, suburban, you know, white lifestyle, what power are you fighting? You're fighting to maintain the power. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not casting aspersions on your experience, but it does make sense that it took so long for, you know, white audiences to adopt the messages of hip hop. I mean, we're just starting to listen to black people say, hey, maybe those cops were busting people's heads. Maybe there's something to it. It just took a, it just took an extra 20, 30 years for um, uh, people to start having a, a, a wider 
understanding of the complexities of urban America. And I think the fact that I do have biracial nieces, not that they're, they have a very nice life, but I think what changed me was during uh, the Black Lives Matter is my niece's middle child is like a fight the power girl. And she insisted on going up. Now, granted, it was in the local, you know, uh, suburban. Yeah, we weren't fighting the power in Oakland or um, in Harlem or anything like that. But it's still it's about the consciousness. And that's what music ultimately speaks to. It's, you know, at least the the deeper music it's it's your political and aesthetic and moral consciousness and there's a you know there's a photo of her that i saw with her little black mask on it was obviously spring late summer of 2020 with the little sign saying black lives matter and i give my niece credit she went right now granted as i said it was in suburbia but it's even having the conversation that matters listen the fact that she was even out there speaks volumes because for so many people the idea that acknowledging that black lives have been disproportionately affected by law enforcement, just every major institution in America, it seems to be a grudge to just admit that no, black people haven't had it um, the same. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I have my theories, but it's a discussion for another day. So yes. So yes. And, and back to the, the topic at hand. And so in many ways, hip hop is rooted in that struggle uh, for acceptance in, in, in the same way that African-Americans Black people have fought for acceptance in the greater uh, family of America. And before we go any further, I do have to say that we are praying for the people of La Hena. At least ninety-three yes, people. <clears throat> yeah. It's it's terrible. On the at least ninety-three people as of about two hours ago have died in the wildfires on the Hawaiian island island of Maui. Officials have said sadly making it the deadliest U.S. wildfire more than a century and with the toll expected to rise. And when you look at that, that is so apocalyptic. That is the precise word. It really looks like ground zero from Hiroshima. And I like that Jason Momoa said, don't come to this island. Like, don't think you're coming here. You're going to try to help. I think it's disrespectful if you book the vacation anywhere on that island and you go. I think it's rude. I think you should cancel. Yeah, I think, yeah, save those seats for emergency, um, for families to just do what families need to do in, during their time of emergencies. Um, if they need to evacuate, they're yeah. going to need hotel rooms. But right. I think arrogant people and I think the airlines should give them full refunds out of respect because as I said, they're going to need airplanes, they're going to need resources. But I bet you there's a bunch of dumbasses still going on their vacation. I totally believe you. Totally believe you. I mean, yes, this is a time, and, and it's not just for the people who live on the island, but as, as I was alluding to, it's, it's their families. It's the fact that, you know, there will be thousands of people impacted by the losses who will need support from their friends and family flying into the island. So it's um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and I agree. Don't don't go there. Don't go and gawk uh, unless you have specific a specific set of skills. Uh, what am I thinking of um, Liam Neeson right now? Unless you have a specific set of skills. You OK you, there, Pop Pop? Come on. Is the Taken is not that old. Um, but, no, um, but unless you have a specific set of skills that can be used to enhance or improve or support the people during this tragedy, do not go. And is this climate change or is this just a wildfire? Yes and yes. And that's the way climate change works. It's not nothing is ever going to be exclusively climate change. It, what it does, it, it's almost like a, a, a vitamin. It 
it takes natural normal processes and it puts it on overdrive. So yes, this is a feature of climate change. It's interesting. I read a quick article yesterday and then we'll get back to talk about hip hop <laughs> that I know we're, we're eight minutes in and we haven't really dug into it yet, but it's interesting. So the photosynthesis, you know, photosynthesis that you learned about in for middle school biology um, as a consequence of global climate change, the process is actually starting to become less efficient. Photosynthesis, the thing that sustains all oxygen breathing organisms on the planet is slowing down because the air is getting drier. So normally like with more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, you'd expect that the process would become more efficient. But as a consequence of global climate change, there's less moisture, there's less water for plants to perform photosynthesis. So we're actually seeing a slowing of photosynthetic reactions. All right, on to the music, Mr. DJ. Philly was put on the hip hop map by the late 1970s. In 1979, and now I'm gonna test your knowledge, one of the first female hip hop artists Lady B released to the beat you all. I say clap your hands, everybody, everybody clap your hands. I just clap your hands, everybody, everybody clap your hands. Allow me to introduce myself, they call me Mrs. DJ. I got my name in the Hall of Fame about the DJ rounds I say now. that song to the beat y'all don't stop y'all that's it right i think i remember it certainly not from when it was released i wasn't even in this country yet but i remember the song to the beat y'all to the beat y'all a few years later in 1985 philly school rapper schooly d released his single psk what does it mean helping to define gangster rap Are you somebody that's a Over, call the bowl, so you 
Do you remember that song? I remember Schooly D. Wow. We're, um, we're definitely going to have to play a few of these tracks um, to remind our audience because, yeah, these these songs are um, they're classics. But I have to be honest, I wasn't uh, my only reference to Philadelphia hip hop is embarrassingly Will Smith. Will Smith became mainstream. I mean, that's how it all works. I mean, we none of us would have heard of Taylor Swift if Taylor Swift hadn't left the small niche country music scene and became a pop star. That's how it works. And with each passing decade, hip hop grew globally and Philly continued to leave its mark. In 1989, the Fresh Prince Will Smith and DJ Dazzy Jeff won the first ever Grammy for the best rap performance for their songs. Parents just don't understand. And, and I was mind like, you know, and mind you now, I was just going to say this is after you know Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, just to name two. Um, two groups have been out, were out there producing Melly Mel, you know those guys. So was was DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and Parents Don't Understand the most consequential rap song to come out um, to that date? No, God, no. You know, parents are the same no matter time, no place. They don't understand that us kids are going to make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. My mom, oh, my pop, and my little sister all hopped in the car. We headed downtown to the gallery mall. My mom started bugging with the clothes she chose. I didn't say nothing at first, I just turned to my nose. She said, What's wrong? This shirt costs $20. I said, Mom, the shirt is plaid with a butterfly collar. The next half hour was the same old. It was what was selling, it was, it's what mainstream audiences um, found palatable and found not only palatable, but found accessible. So, I mean, I, I, there's a just the dynamic process to how music reaches people and especially like uh, a genre of music that I think is deliberately marginalized for so long. And for me, I, I to be honest, I had kind of forgotten that Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff did win a Grammy. I was like, you know, time moves so quickly and he's done so much. And I am personally a Will Smith fan. I, I think his life has gotten very complicated I'm not sure what led to the layers that happened with the explosion, obviously on stage, but I still think, you know, good for him. And I do think that that song was more palatable for people to kind of acknowledge that music is changing, but right. I don't, we don't want it to change. Cause let's be honest, the people that run in the Grammys at this point are all white men. And I'm just mm -hmm. going to say it straight up as a white woman. Right. And, and, you know, it's absolutely the case that it was a form of rap music that didn't touch on anything um, that anything real in Black America. It was just a it was a fun song. It was a fun song. I mean, look what look at the Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys are definitely one of the OGs of hip hop music, of rap music. But they found their niche, and what made them so popular is that they sung about what they knew. There were three. Uh, Jewish kids from New York. So for them to sing about uh, the struggle in the hood would have been completely inauthentic. So they they sang about partying and girls and they found their voice and it was accepted. 
I mean, I don't know that you would speak to any of the original hip hop MCs and and and, and DJs who would uh, who would deny the Beastie Boys a seat at the table uh, because what they did was authentic to themselves. And I think you know, it's sort of in a very long. <laughs> long-winded version what i'm saying is that what dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince did was an authentic expression of what was going on in their lives you know being teenagers in the 1990s and doing a little more research i was listening to some of the videos because i want to go over the list of the top five rappers of all time from philadelphia right but i was watching the will smith videos summertime and i was like this is so 1990s but it was, he was kind of hip hopping, but at the same time, everyone that was dancing around wasn't too, too in your face hardcore. Yes. And it was people, let's be honest, the people, Will Smith is almost 60 now, not to be just, so some of these people are grandparents now, but I thought, God, for that moment, that video captured Philly in what, like 1992. And there's a very sweet thing of Will Smith kissing his mother. And I was because oh. his mother's um, I know it was very sweet. Like the, the, the everything was just very low key. It wasn't too in your face, but it still had that little, you know, do the right thing that that early vibe. Mm-hmm. But I had to, I did tear up when I saw Will kiss his mother. It was very sweet. But the girls, like everyone that was my generation, are grandparents now. That's where the country was at that time. That's yeah. what people found palatable. Now you know if someone came out and tried to rap you know, in that early 1990s style, they would get laughed off the stage because we have evolved beyond that. So, you know, in, in so you, you have to meet people where they are and you have to meet the culture where it is. Agreed. It was very sweet though. For a moment, I was like, you know, you forget, you forget about that whole Will Smith era. At least I do. I remember it in terms of it happening, but I feel like we blinked our eye and he was onto something else. Yeah, very ambitious and very talented young man. So, I mean, I still remember the first time, um, Oh, Christ, I don't remember the name of the movie that he was in, but he was basically played like a young prep school kid brought into like upper the upper society of like uh, Manhattan. And I think for me, that was one of his uh, breakthrough roles. And I just thought, can he do this? Can he really pull this off? And he did. I mean, if not for like a, a bad decision, you know, Neo would have been Will Smith from The Matrix, you know? I don't like The Matrix or any reference to it. Oh, there's something wrong with you. Let's go into something else we agree on. The Roots founder, Amir Questlove Thompson and Tariq Blackthought Trotter first performed together during a talent show while they were students at the Philadelphia High School for the Creative and Performing Arts in 1989. I didn't realize he was that old. They all go back to roughly that time, at yeah, least most of them. Questlove, I thought was more, I mean, not that he's a lot older than you, but that's a, a gap of time. I just... He seems so young in spirit. Right, right. I like his vibe. And then the 1990s saw more Philly rappers taking over, and these names are a little more familiar to me. Eve, Beanie Siegel, Charlie Biltmore, and Philly's Most Wanted. Right, right. Were you a big Philly hip hop person or? I have to be honest. I think for the most part, I discovered Philly hip hop music after it sort of first um sort of exploded on the scene because i think at that point like anything like most people um i was listening to biggie and tupac and i was like discovering some of the older guys some of the ogs of hip-hop and so in a weird way i had to leave philly to discover philly so to speak and there's also a little generate like in 1989 you weren't how old were you 
1989, um, what was I? Uh, 11. So it's not, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been my thing necessarily. An 11 year old Nicholas Banton walking around. How sweet. Or horrible, depending on how you look at it. And today, Philly is home to some of hip hop's most trailblazing acts Meek Mill, mm-hmm. Terror Whack, Little Uzi Vert. And hip hop as a whole remains a creative outlet for so many to tell their stories of pain, oppression, social justice, urban strife, nightmares, and more importantly, their dreams. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, that last one, in many ways, that's where a, a group like, uh, as I mentioned before, the Beastie Boys, how they could fit in and become successful and accepted as hip hop artists. They sang, they sang about these aspirational things, you know, for them at the, their first album, was it Licensed to Ill? Um, and, and I know we're talking about exclusively Philly guys, but I mean, it, it's a family. They they sang about getting drunk and partying in using their own voice. They weren't imitating the black rappers of that time. And I that's one of the things I appreciate about what they did and why they became accepted and why they were respected. They didn't, they didn't take the art form and bastardized it, if you know what I mean. No, I, I agree. And as I said, I think everyone had a place at the table and everyone was kind of accepting whatever someone else's vibe was. And that's the nature of the art form too. It's about improvisation. It's about um, innovation. And so it does lead itself to, you know, you know, you can have a you can have a community of hip hop artists where the root and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince are both in the same room. DJ Jazzy Jeff was singing about, you know, parents don't understand and stealing your stealing your mom's car and joyriding and having fun as a teenager. And the Roots, they're talking about the depths of black struggle. And I think both voices are relevant. And in some ways, both voices are just as important. And it's kind of like rock music. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, back in the day, I'm going to say like the Grateful Dead was talking about partying and spiritual things. Then you had someone like Bruce Springsteen that really was coming up. At the time, he was a working man. And everyone had a place for the message and how they were going to, to say it. It didn't didn't make any message less important. It, just pick your lane and kind of stay in it, whatever is speaking to you. And that that's the way music should be. Yes, and I think that's one of the aspects of rap music that made it ultimately acceptable and global. I don't know that there's a country in the world uh, where music is performed, where hip hop is not a genre in that culture. I still remember the first time uh, my good friend went overseas, went back home, he's Romanian, came back and brought me a Romanian rap album. And I was like, oh my gosh, mind, mind blown. Um, so it, it's it's like everything else American and cultural. It has its roots, it has its foundations in black culture, and it's gone on to essentially take over the world, whether it was rock music or jazz, now hip hop. Uh, there's something about the African-American experience that connects with people who are not African-American. And that's one of the aspects of rap music that makes it so interesting is that it, the creativity, the vibe, the, the sound, the uh, the energy is able to just connect with people on a, on a very powerful and visceral level. But I guess some of the problem is now on the other side in terms of Jay-Z, Sean Combs. I'm going to say Bruce Springsteen. There comes a point that you really can't relate to the music that got you where you are. Right. You you age out. I You know, music in some ways is a bit like sports. Um, you get your time and even the greatest 
you get your time in the sun and then you're done. Or at least you should be. Unless you can keep innovating, unless you can keep crafting a message that's relevant, then you do your greatest hit. Do what the Rolling Stones do. Just go play the hits. And, and there's definitely a lane for that, but there's so many young voices out there. There's so many thoughtful ideas that have not yet been expressed. And I think sometimes these artists don't realize that the time has passed them by. And also the, someone like, like Jay-Z and Beyonce, Snoop Dogg, Sean, I don't think Sean Combs has done, done anything musical at all. I mean, he's a businessman. Listen, the guy, that man saw his life flash before his eyes with that murder case. And he decided that he's going to clean up his act and just go out there and do what, you know, Americans have always done. But in I that position, make, try to make as much money as you can. And I don't it, blame him. In a weird way, I kind of respect him because he's not pretending to be an old school rapper anymore. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think he rode Biggie's coattails. Uh, Don't say hard. that. <laughs> do you? I do. I do. I'm not saying that he he's talented. Clearly, he's a very talented uh, producer and performer. But I think without without Biggie, Sean Combs would be a maybe double A, single A type of player versus someone who had you know essentially you know got a chance to play in the majors. And, and and make it big. I think I think he has Biggie to thank for that. That that's my honest opinion. But even when I look like you look at old Sean Combs and Biggie, like Biggie to me was actually living that life. Sean Combs looked a little polished, like and he went to Catholic school. Yeah, exactly. And and listen, there there've always been frauds, so to speak, in rap music. Not everyone grew up in the streets, you know, around gangsters, get, you know, and shooting guns every day. I mean, I'm and I don't mean to glorify it or diminish it, but there was a time, especially in the mid to late 1990s, where that's what the industry thought audiences want. You know, young white kids in the suburbs who wanted to romanticize the black experience in the same way back in the what 30s and 40s that, you know, kids, I'm sure, probably, you know, did their James Cagney impersonations or in the 50s and 60s, they did their uh, John Wayne impression. There's always been an aspect of human culture or the human experience where we like to romanticize violence. We like to experience it vicariously. And I think what what you and I think you said it aptly, what Biggie was reflecting as an authentic expression of his life. I think in many ways, um, Sean Combs was was trying to front uh, to use the parlance. And even Snoop Dogg, come on, he went to high school with Carmen D. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think these guys played it up. I think they got caught up in the lifestyle. And the reality is that sometimes the lifestyle bit back. Uh, You know, Biggie and Tupac, rest in peace. Top five Philadelphia rappers. You ready? Let's have it. Schooly D. Right. Schooly D, as we just said, is a hip hop legend and was arguably, arguably the first rapper from Philadelphia breaking into the rap mainstream. He first emerged in the 1980s. Schoolie D was often aided by DJ Code Money concerning production and local radio airplay. State oh. property. I don't remember them at all. I remember the name. I, I couldn't, if you, my goodness, my life depended on it. I couldn't tell you a state property song, but I remember they were on MTV Raps. State property was a legendary rap group during the late 1990s and early 2000s. It compromised the freeway, PD crack, 
Oshino Vacquez, Freeway, yeah, Emilio Sparks, and the and the duo Young Guns. The collective was spearheaded by their frontman Beanie Siegel, coming up on the Philadelphia underground through, underground through mixtapes that found their way to New York. State property was quickly signed to Rockefeller in 2001. Yeah, they had a moment in the sun. Lil Uzi Azart, sorry, saying it wrong. He may not be the most lyrical rapper in the world, while some purist hip hop heads may find his music deplorable. He's a little different. I just watched a video. There is no denying that he's been one of the most popular and relevant rappers and Philly has produced in a very long time. Do you have any familiarity with his music? You know what, I so, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not an absolute, but I'm, I'm fairly close to being a hip hop purist. And I'm not, I'm not a fan of mumble rap. And I think uh, rappers like Lil Uzi, I think they fall into the genre of like, that sort of, that smoked out mumble rap sound that if you grew up, you know, if you're a kid of the 1990s, and you listen to like this sort of the clear staccato hip hop sound. What you hear on the radio today, what you hear being played um, or being produced is so removed from that. It just sounds like these guys are just stoned and out of their minds. And so, yeah, I I guess I'm part of that um, aesthetic that is not a fan of that little oozy sound. I watched the video. I I think smoked out is a great description of, and it's not a black or white reference of a younger generation. Yeah, every, yeah. It's every, definitely, it's, listen, it's definitely a different aesthetic. It's a different sound. It's a, it has a different appeal. Uh, it has a different, uh, uh, it has a different uh, attraction for younger audiences. Number four is Black Thought, is a very much a figurehead within the older hip hop community. You should know them, Nick, because you're in the older hip hop community. With his career origins in the mid 1990s, Black Thought is known for his lyrical ability and extremely conscious lyrics. He is also renowned for having a very soulful and jazz inspired type of sonic. The rapper is also known as a poet. Born and raised in Philadelphia, the rapper, whose real name is Tariq Trotter, was born to parents who were part of the Black Islamic religious movement the Nation of Islam. And as a result, his music is extraordinarily Afrocentric and politically controversial. Do you know Black Thought? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go back and just Google up some of these guys and listen to their songs. I probably do. I probably do. I, I probably know the songs better than I know the artists. But I do think in our defense, by the early two thousands, it not not that we all had iPhones at that point, because I really didn't have my first till about 2008 but it started to become you would turn on the radio they would tell you what you were listening to and there was kind of a a mainstream way to absorb this music but as radio got less prominent you kind of you could at some point you couldn't keep up with everything that was happening and to be fair even local uh so the local black radio stations they were playing the mainstream main street uh mainstream excuse me hip-hop artists. Because they were uh, the, probably bringing money into exactly, the station too. You know, the Billboard Top 100 um, hip-hop artists, rap albums. So even even though you live in a city where you have these uh, homegrown talents, if you listen to the radio, you're, you're listening to just the, you know, whether it's Ludacris, whoever had their moment in the sun, whether it's Ludacris or, or Snoop Dogg or Biggie or Tupac, um, LL Cool J, those are the, that's what you were listening to. So in some ways, 
and you know we did a, a segment on on DJs uh, radio DJs and how they were so instrumental in instructing you about the music and what's behind it but in some ways one one by the 2000s radio just was just an extension of your mp3 player it just played the music you weren't getting a, a lesson necessarily in, in behind the scenes or behind the artists behind the music you weren't having that experience Number five, of course, is Will Smith. Will Smith achieved many fantastic feats early in his career and proved himself to be an exceptionally versatile entertaining. He transitioned from acting with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I'm sorry, I still think's funny. I don't think too many people disagree with you. I mean, unfortunately, we kind of lost the Cosby show. So in terms of like old schoolish um, black comedy, I think Will, uh, the Fresh Prince is probably... Um, Unless you want to go back to like good times and what's happening and this and Sanford and Son, um, he what he represented was um, was a step. It was a step to get us to where we are today in terms of the greater American consciousness about the experience, the, the black experience. Uh, Will Smith was a was a step along the way. You know, obviously, he went on to films such as Independence Day and Men in Black. However, as one half of the rap duo Dazzy, that DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Smith was a star way before he hit the big screen. As we just discussed, he earned Grammy nominations. The most well-known hits included the likes of Parents Just Don't Understand and Summertime. He, as we said, he earned a Grammy for the best rap performance in 1989. Both Smith and Jeff would continue to make music together until 1994. And I was surprised they stopped that. I thought they kind of went into the 2000s, but I was wrong. I didn't realize that it had ended that soon. I, I'm right there with you. I didn't know. I, I thought that it had lasted maybe close to another 10 years, too. Yeah, and I, I would even have taken like 98 or 99, but mm -hmm. they did sell over 5 million albums. And with this being the case, Will Smith is undoubtedly the most successful, famous and respected rapper to come out of Philadelphia. As before he was a movie star, he was an MC and successful one at that. Right. And I think one thing, too, to kind of wrap this up, we have two very important hip hop festivals in this city. Let's talk about them. The Roots Picnic is the annual music festival created by the hip hop group The Roots. It's every year at the Man in Fairmont Park, and the first festival was held on June 7th, 2008. And I think it's been held every year except for the year of the pandemic. But I like that vibe of bringing the culture together of like-minded people to experience, <clears throat> whether it's barbecue, listening to music. I like that, and it's been going on you know, for almost 15 some years now. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible run. And then unfortunately, it has been canceled this year, but the Made in, Made in America Festival is a two-day music festival held every Labor Day weekend on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was first announced by Jay-Z at the Philadelphia Museum of Art on May 14th, 2012. And this year it's canceled because of Lizzo, but do you want my theory? Yes, I. We talked about this offline, so give me give me the skinny on Lizzo. So well, two things. I always wondered why was Jay Z ever doing anything in Philadelphia, but I think he had some hip hop groups that he was trying to elevate, and maybe New York was too big of a a physical venue to do. I don't know or understand Jay Z's tie to Philadelphia, so that's my first. Do you know? I don't. I, really I don't know. And again, every year a free outdoor concert is held on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. Did you ever go? I never did. 
No, I never went down. I think I've watched it on television a couple times, but I mean, like, it, it always just seemed like it was. I've had that experience, so to speak. So it just wasn't that appealing. Like once you get to, once you've had those experience of going to those concerts, being in that space, after a while, you're like, eh, it's actually better on TV. Yeah, and also if it started in 2012, that's 10 years. Even though you know, by that point you were like in your mid to late 30s. Like that's when you kind of start tapping out of these things. Exactly. You know, it's a free concert held uh, on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway, designed by Kevin Bacon's father, in front of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. The concert is followed by fireworks. It's been going on, for, you know, as I said, for at least a decade. This year, though, unfortunately, it was canceled due to the sexual harassment case against Lizzo. I and didn't I, realize that was the, um, the the main reason. But yeah, you can't have your headliner potentially facing uh, civil and criminal charges. It's civil charges, right? Or is she facing criminal charges? I, I'm not sure what the exact charges are going to be, but I'm going to defend Jay-Z here. I actually believe in he has his people's best interests at heart. We're not a safe city right now. Like literally every night, four to five people are getting shot in the city. Maybe Lizzo was the first thing he could think, I didn't want to tap out of this. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you, you you put something like that on and, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads come in there, you know, start shooting up the place. That's uh, it's not and, good. It's not a good look. And you and I have talked about this, obviously, offline. And I find this summer of 2023, we're today's August 13th, one of the strangest summers since the pandemic started. And maybe because people were in for so many years you know, whether it was one or two summers, some people were being cautious. I feel like this backlash of violence, of these outbursts, a lot of it is from the shelter in place mental health issues that are coming to the forefront. Yeah, I, that, is, that is that is a possibility. I've never seen such lashing out. As you know, I work for a local retailer. The amount of theft, aggression over small incidents. I had a woman yesterday screaming at me about a purchase she made in Italy at my retailer's store in Italy and was furious after two months and on a plane ride from Italy, I couldn't return it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, and it's just that high level of aggression. There's a different energy this summer that I think you feel. Yeah, that is that is definitely the case. Hopefully, let's just hope this summer is the last one. Let's hope it just kind of burns itself out. But I thought if Jay-Z was going to take any moment to pause, because they didn't blame Lizzo, they said there was some operational issues. Well, I mean, you have to sort of give that boilerplate latitude until you come to an understanding of what, what this is all about. Because you don't want to lose a talent like Lizzo unless she's just become toxic. Look at, uh, I'm trying to think of what, Kevin Spacey as an example of, you know, someone who's very talented, but eventually they just get, became radioactive. And I think, I think this is Jay-Z going, let's put a pause on this. I don't want to have my hands all over this, knowing that this could have happened and this will look really bad on me. So I agree with you. I think the politics kind of points to an overabundance of caution. And also Beyonce's on tour right now. I am sure that their, their operations are drained. Well, I don't know if it's a money thing. I think it's more I of an optics thing. Yeah, I don't think it's a money thing. I, But let's be honest, too. A lot of these people, even Beyonce following her tour, there's been some gaffes on when she's been on stage that have been a little startling for someone of her, you know, her, her level. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. her caliber. And I'm kind of wondering, 
you know, how many stores do you go into now? I know you don't shop like a lot, but everyone seems very short staffed. And it's kind of interesting that I'm wondering if this summer is just kind of like a catch up and get things back in place. And I think Jay-Z was very wise to put a pause on it. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all interesting and plausible explanations. Uh, Ultimately, I agree with you. He made the wise decision. He made the right decision uh, to put a pause on it and not move forward because uh, there are too many unknowns. And if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. Hey, Marie, guess what? Hello. Who's our sponsor this week? Springfield Alehouse Delco. Woo-woo. 773 West Sprawl Road, Springfield, Pennsylvania, 19064. Their phone number is 484-472-6742. They have the best appetizers and drinks as I say all the time in Delaware County, but I'm going to say also the tri-state area. Oh, talking big now. Please follow them on Facebook. More importantly, Instagram. Open today from 1130 to 11 p.m. Check their menu out online. Better yet, just stop by to say hello. They'd like to see their people in person. During the summer, up until mid-fall, some hours are subject to change. Please give them a call. And please follow the Ale House on Instagram. And of course, speaking of Instagram, please follow our podcast, The White Bikini, on all of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it be Apple, Spotify, and please follow us, our new and up-to-date Instagram page at The White Bikini. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nicholas. And thank you, Marie. Bye. Peace out. Shake your asses, face screwed up like you having hot flashes. Which one? Pick one. This one classic. Red from blind, yeah, bitch, I'm drastic. Why this? Why that? Lip stop basking. Listen to me, baby, relax and start passing. Expressway, head back, weaving through the traffic. This one strong should be labeled as a hazard. Some of y'all niggas hot, psych, I'm gassing. Clowns, I spot them and I can't stop laughing. Easy come, easy go, Evie gonna be lasting. Jealousy, let it go, results could be tragic. Some of y'all ain't writing well, too concerned with fashion. None of you ain't Giselle, can't walk and imagine. A lot of y'all Hollywood drama, cast it. Cut, bitch, camera off, real shit, blast it.
thugged out, I respect the cash route. Lockdown, blast this sets while I mash out. Yeah, nigga, mash out. D R E, backtrack, think back. E V E, do you like that? Yeah, you got to. I know you had you in the transfer slants from the flow too. Don't believe I'll show you, take you with me. Turn you on, tension gone, give you relief. Put your trust in the bone when they listen to me. Damn, she much thinner, no, now I'm complete. Uh huh, still styling on. Brick house, pile it on. Ride or die, bitch, double R. Can't strong. Beware, cause I crush anything I land on. Me here, ain't no mistake, nigga, it was planned on. I had to give you a. 